Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. Get ready for your life to be changed by today's message. There are very few places that I can preach what I'm about to preach. In fact, oftentimes God will give me a word for this house and I'll try to carry it down the road somewhere, some other state or some other nation, and it don't work. Because they chew on quail and not manna. So there's a leanness in the body of Christ. Because they complained and complained and complained and God said, fine, I'll give you this, but you're going to have leanness of mine. But what you get here every week is manna because God still knows the recipe to manna. It isn't just the art of preaching or delivering the word that shifts the atmosphere. You can do all of that. I've been in a lot of productions and a lot of places that are full of production and they are on the money. They are on the spot. They are sharp. Go camera two, go to camera three, bring this down, start the video announcements. Now entice the people to give it out of compulsion, which is not supposed to be happening and then and then they wrap it up and they say okay thank you have a good week everyone see you next Sunday make sure you join a small group but what doesn't happen or we'll see you at the big egg hunt or we'll see you at this but what doesn't happen is spirit interruption where God says I'm glad you did all of that thank you for posturing for me but now the true posture of the kingdom is on your knees bend us oh lord so i've got to preach a message it's brand new so you'll have to just deal with me looking at my notes a lot but literally wrote yesterday got done at 4 30 got uh ready and then went to service last night but i'm calling this message the unsettling my beautiful wife my gift from god brings you greetings took our daughter back to college and and uh so Karen has been helping her get ready with that. And, and, but Karen loves this house. She loves to preach here because she's a way better preacher than I am. I'm just going to tell you. But she brings you greetings. Thank you for praying for my son. He won the election. Because the Lord told him many, many years ago in Georgia, that he would use him as a priest and a king and he would run for office and he would change culture and boy, them devils out. You're going to hear about that in a second. But thank, thank you for praying for him because it's been a war and a battle, but he won in a landslide because my God's big. I can't wait to be in the White House and prophesy over it. But, but I'm calling this message the unsettling because that is where I am at. When heaven invades earth in fact in a moment i'm going to have you to jump over to acts chapter 16 and we'll be going out of that in fact pastor andy almost tried to give away my whole sermon and it, i was like what are you doing but actually it was a kiss from heaven because that's what god does for me he does it all the time every service something will happen before i preach that will be from the sermon but what you have to understand is there's a moment where you have authority, but I want to warn you, for those of you that want authority, people without authority have no enemies. Don't ask God for authority if, if, you, if, you, if you don't want enemies. That's why the Bible says, do your best to live at peace with all people. It doesn't say you're going to be in peace with all people. It says, do your best. Some days I don't have a lot of best, amen? <laughs> you drive through Dallas, you know what I'm saying. But there's an understanding that God is about to do something so big in our nation. COVID separated the sheep from the goats, and a goat will eat anything. It, it removed the weekend warriors that show up once a month it, 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 because they learned how to watch church on their phones and they could change churches 25 times on a Sunday. If I don't like that sermon, that guy has not entertained me enough. Let me go over here. And, and so what it did was it separated wheat and chaff. It separated goat and sheep nation. It began to separate. So now what is going to happen is you're going to begin to see that remnant rise up. But God is required to move. Why? Because he you need to know all that is going on in this world. If you look at all the geopolitical stuff, you look at all the stuff with China, you look at all the stuff with Russia and Ukraine, you look at all the stuff with politics and this, that, and the other. 
And uh, but you need to, in fact, I just I, 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 I just want to scream run Herschel. But anyway, that's a whole nother thing. But you see all of that stuff and you go, man, look at look at where the church is at right now. And you look, you see all the different things and you need to understand God's not moved by any of that. Because it's Hebrews, and again, we're going to Acts 16 in just a moment because I'm preaching the unsettling, but it's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for God is a consuming fire. And what you have to understand is, as I'm praying through the, for this, this service, God said, I want you to pray for conviction to hit the room. We don't like conviction because conviction means you're guilty, but it's not condemnation. That is from hell. Conviction means you're guilty, but somebody already paid the price except the grace. I wrote about that in Rebuilding the Altar. You're guilty of all this stuff, but by the time you get to the courtroom, someone is sitting in your spot as the defendant. So you have to understand, I'm going somewhere. And God began to speak to me that there are keys hanging in the atmosphere in this room. Because this is the year of Isaiah 22, 22, uh, the, year, the, the year of the keys, the house of David, Matthew 16, 19, he'll give you the keys to the kingdom, power and authority. You know, I preach a lot on the keys. So throughout this message, some of you are going to begin to experience the dangling of the key and it's your next. It's little keys open giant doors. But first, what you have to understand, I want to talk about what took place in Acts 16. Now understand the book of Acts was not a six week revival. The span of the book of Acts was 30 years. We read one thing over here with the apostles. We read one thing over here. And we're like, well, like the next week he went there. No, that's 30 years. Paul's missionary journey alone was about 16 years. So when you read the book of Acts, you have to put a stretch on it. When Luke wrote it, he he. he was writing at the end of his life, he was explaining all of this stuff, but it looks like it all happened suddenly. So you have to realize that the upper room took place probably somewhere around 29 AD. So you have to realize something that 29 AD, the, the Acts chapter 16, where I'm just about to read, was about 25 years later. So it was the second generation Christians because many of the first generation had already died or been killed. So when you read this stuff, you almost think about when you see the disciples and then you see Paul and you see Silas, you think they're all buddies. They're, they weren't contemporaries. It was a generational anointing. I'm going somewhere because you have to understand for the fools out there that says everything stopped at the upper room, it didn't. For those who say the gifts don't work for today because it stopped in Acts chapter 2 in the upper room, it didn't. So by the time we get to Acts chapter 16, missionaries were being sent out. They were on journeys because that was roughly 54 to 57 AD. So you have to know where I'm going because it's very important. Why? Because we're now seeing a second generation of disciples. You've got Paul and Silas who are on their missionary journey. The church was growing, it was expanding, it was a breathing room. Everywhere they went, people were dropping their idols, people were walking away, they were experiencing God in dreams and visions, and you need to know, hell was mad because the church was advancing. I'm trying to warn you, you walked into Macon and thinking, just go take Macon. Well, you can because you're not walking in as some kind of entrepreneurial, plant me another Walmart church over here, put it on a screen. You actually went in with a mindset. I was blown away last night as I felt the portals of heaven that were, I'm preaching the unsettling. God is about to yank some deeds out of people's hands that they have not been faithful with. Now watch because it gets really good. And I'll give you some backstory in a moment. But Acts chapter 16 is where we're going this morning for just a few minutes. We're looking at verse 25. About midnight. 
You hadn't been a believer long if you ain't had an about midnight. You still hanging out with Jesus at the coffee shop, but midnight, midnight. You ain't had no midnight. I've had some midnight when Karen had a fever of 101 or higher for 10 straight days. And God said, go pray in your upper room for an hour and pray in tongues. We had an about midnight when I came walking down after that one hour of storming the gates of hell and saying, let go of her body. And I walked down and she's sitting up in the bed and sweat is pouring where that fever broke at that exact. You ain't had an about midnight. About midnight means everybody else is sleeping about midnight means the only thing going on outside mama used to say is people getting in trouble about midnight is when everything is quiet and the rats are scurrying in the prison but you decide I'm going to praise I'm going to break through the atmosphere because he can hear me because all these other people ain't got their praise on it reminds me about 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 the, the one o'clock hour in most churches it's quiet till next Sunday so you have to about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and worshiping, singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. You notice they didn't give credit to who wrote the song. They weren't paying the fee to be able to put it on the screen, the CC, whatever it is. They just started worshiping. And the other prisoners were listening. You don't even understand the power of your praise. That when you're willing to worship when you shouldn't, when you're hanging there with your body ripped to shreds, you're hanging in chains, and all you got left is your praise, and just to raise up and sing because they had already beat them, every fiber of their body, their nerve endings are shredded. When they got beat, it wasn't like a spanking from mama. It was a ripping of the flesh. They wanted to make sure that when people saw you without your shirt, Rome had been there. And suddenly, suddenlies are always preceded by obedience. You don't just get suddenly. Suddenlies don't just happen. There's little things you do. I gave a few minutes ago. I took communion a minute ago. I've been doing this. I've been doing. Suddenlies are an end result of a whole lot of things. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all of the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. That means the ones that were listening got free. You ain't helping me preach. I'm going to preach for a second. I'm preaching about the unsettling. There's an unsettling in the kingdom right now. There's a shifting of lands right now. Tectonic plates are beginning to rub against each other. I'm seeing it happen across America. And what you have to understand, I've learned that true worship most often takes place when it seems all is lost. And that is when all is found. We know that in Malachi 3.16, it says, I record in the book of remembrance those who know how to praise me. So you have to know. No, there's not just the book of life there's not just the book of death and the books were open the other book that will be open is the book of remembrance did you praise when it wasn't in you just like the old testament required a sacrifice to even come forward god still requires a sacrifice well, no, 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 Pat, because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. Without Jesus, we would all be vegetarians. They would have sacrificed every animal. We wouldn't eat steak now. We would all be eating peas. But, but Jesus became the lamb. The lamb led to the slaughter. No, no, no. The Bible says he still requires a sacrifice. What do you mean? Hebrews 13, 15. The sacrifice of praise. So let's go outside. I love the Message Bible and the Passion Translation. I know people don't like them, but that's cool. So let's go outside where Jesus is, where the action is, not trying to be privileged insiders, but taking our share in the abuse of Jesus. This insider world is not our home. We have our eyes peeled for the city about to come. Let's take our place outside with Jesus, no longer pouring out the sacrificial blood of animals, but pouring out sacrificial praise from our lips to God in Jesus name I love that because everybody's no 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 there's no more sacrifice oh there's still sacrifice 
Because the Bible says right there, did you catch that? It says there's an invasion coming. We have our eyes peeled for the city about to come. It means God is about to do something. I'm preaching. I'm not talking about a red dawn moment. I'm not talking about some nation landing on our shores. That will eventually happen, I believe. But you have to know when they come in because it doesn't talk about uh, America in the last days. It doesn't talk about Canada or Brazil. It speaks of the ancient cities in the last days. So you have to realize I don't know what's going to happen to America. I know that that we are. Uh, anyway, I'll just stop right there and keep going. But I, I know that we're in trouble right now because I'm watching that we celebrate what's wrong instead of what's right and what's right is now considered wrong and when you stand up for the life of a child I, I you know I, I'm just amazed because I, I I watched during the abortion issue when they turned over Roe v Wade and we should have had a stinking party dancing and praising and shouting that the daycares of heaven were being shut down but instead pastors say stuff like I'm gonna take me a little break from social media I'm going to fast it for a month. You're a wimp and a sissy because you will not stand up. You'll talk about everything else going on in culture. You'll call out the church for everything, but you won't stand up for the life of an unborn. The greatest vote since the Emancipation Proclamation. Oh, I don't want to offend anybody. Shut your mouth. If I offend you now, it's going to get worse because I don't care. See, because there's an unsettling. There's a righteousness rising up in the body. And, and if you're going to make it in this last days, you better have three things. You better have a pure heart, a steel backbone, and some skin knees. Because we are about to go into a battle like we've never seen in this nation. Because there's an unsettling happening. What you have to know is quite, quite often, and we don't talk about this very much, heaven invades the earth. No, 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 no. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to get free of this earth. God still invades the earth, whether it's a por portal, whether it's his glory. I love what the scripture uh, says uh, in Psalm 78, verse 23. So follow me. Still, he spoke on their behalf and the skies opened up. The windows of heaven poured out food. The mercy bread manna, the grain of grace fell from the clouds. See, there's a stirring in my heart because one of the things I believe we're on the verge of the greatest kingdom shift we've ever seen. And what you must understand, heaven has to, Jesus preached the kingdom. Everywhere he went, he preached the kingdom. And then when he would get done preaching kingdom, miracles followed. Not empires, kingdoms going somewhere. Because what you have to realize is this, the realm of kingdom of heaven was a central theme of Jesus's entire teaching. All you got to do is Matthew 5 through 7 speaks of that. In fact, you have to understand, he said that we're to seek this realm constantly above all else. Seek the kingdom of God and everything else would be added back to you. But we don't do that. We think about our kingdoms. We think about our little areas. But it's different. But Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed it be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it's already happening in heaven. When you get to heaven, it's going to mess with you for about 30 minutes. You're going to walk in. You're going to see your loved ones. You're going to see the family. You're going to hug up to them. But then all of a sudden, you're going to hear a trumpet. And you're going to hear a clapping. And you're going to hear the millions upon millions bowing as he comes walking towards you. And as he walks towards you, all doubts, all insecurities, all the things that have held you back in life, they're going to suddenly disappear because you're standing amongst glory. And when you're standing amongst glory, it shifts every, oh, I'm going somewhere. I'm preaching on the unsettling because when he starts walking in, but see, you don't have to wait to get to heaven to have him walk in your house today. I'm talking about something here. I'm about to prove it to you. He sent me to tell you we're about to be known as a house of miracles. We're about to be known as a house where God says, you know what? They weren't faithful over there. They weren't faithful over there. I'll tell you what, apostle come here just a second. I'm going to hand you another piece of cake. 
of the state of Georgia and I'm going to take it down to Tallahassee and I'm going to take it down to Gainesville and I'm going to run it over there to Birmingham and then I'm going to run it up there to Nashville. Oh, you ain't helping me yet. God says I'm unsettled. Wait till you hear the prophetic word at the end. Every one of you that have been waiting to launch your businesses, every one of you that's been waiting to run for school boards, every one of you that's been waiting to step into a new mantle, God is saying there's a key dangling in front of you today. I'm preaching a prophetic word. Run me out of town or all the way, or at least up to Atlanta, that's where I'm flying out of. But you got to understand. I love what Bill Johnson said. When he wrote his book, When Heaven Invades Earth, I saw this quote yesterday and I thought this was so good. Every instance Jesus preached the kingdom or commanded it, miracles followed. The message was to be a declaration of his lordship and dominion over all things, followed by demonstrations of power, illustrating that his word is invading ours. His world is invading our world. Consider what is meant by this promise. There will be a generation of believers that will preach as he did, do it, did what he, doing what he did in every nation of the world before the end comes. I thought that was pretty good. The present reality of kingdom will become manifest and realized in the everyday life of the believer. I just got this yesterday. Just discovered this yesterday. The lordship of Jesus will be seen and the bounty of his rule will be experienced. That world will break into this one. At every point, the Christian prays in faith. I'm trying to get rid of your our southern go to church grave decorating spirit i'd be there but we got travel ball you know my kids gonna be in the mlb he ain't but it somebody gonna call him when he's in high school and talk to him about it so he can tell his grandkids about that but it, it, it ain't gonna happen and God is saying what about your family when is the last time your family had Jesus come walking through the house in the middle of the night and his anointing here I'm preaching the unsettling I'm not talking a normal word today I'm preaching about the fact that there's a moment where you got to step up and say I'm so ready for this but first follow me we must defeat the ventriloquist spirit what in the world is that bad it's called the mocking spirit and believe it or not ventriloquist that term is from the greeks i'll prove it to you in just a second see the enemy has always mocked so let me go deeper let me go to the backstory we love they started praising at midnight but you don't know what they had to get through to get to their praise they had to quiet one thing to open one thing. Oh, you ain't with me yet. So Acts 16 verse 16 says, One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit. Everybody say spirit. spirit. Now there's a reason why I underlined that in that scripture. Because in the original translation says something completely different. We think a spirit. We think, we think oh, she got a little demon in her, doesn't she? Now this is big. It's in America. It's from Babylon. I'm about to prove it to you. It's on our nation. It's on the very ones that are running around saying, oh, how dare you Christians talk about abortion. Abortion's in the Bible. I'm telling you, I am seeing twisted uh, scripture twisted. Started to say twisted sister. We're not gonna. Anyway, let me move on. I'm a redneck. I was about to bust into some good 80s. But watch. That's what we should start doing when they twist the scripture. We met a slave girl who had a spirit that it had enabled her to tell the future. 1-800 psychic line ain't new. And for all you people to go in there because they got a palm on the sign, you are inviting demons in. In fact, the message Bible even says you sup with demons. And you're going to have demon babies. That's what it says. I love the message. Message Bible just make you mad. Now watch. And she earned a lot of money. Oh, there it is. Don't shut down the money. Don't mess with Planned Parenthood. 
She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting. Now, I don't know how Luke got, a, got out of being in prison because he wrote this. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, hang them up. Watch. She followed, is what I would do if I was with Pastor Jason somewhere and we got in trouble. I'd just say, he did it. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell you how to be saved. Demons know scripture better than us. Now watch. I'm going to break this down for a second. When my son started running for office, I mean, I ain't never. I had to look at him one day and I said, you ain't in church wars anymore. You're in the world war. You better understand what's going on. Because stuff being said about our family, demonic things, cutting things about our family all because we believe in the life of the unborn all because we believe in protecting the next generation and all because we fought against if he was fighting against different things and i'm like nate i called him one day because some people started a website about us i said son i don't even know how i, I said listen i'm about to get unspiritual i really did i'm like we, they i mean <laughs> I got to go outside and punch a tree. <laughs> but I began to realize that it wasn't natural. It was a spirit. Can I, can I just say to everybody in here that your destiny is, has been on hold? Maybe it's because you've listened to the lies of hell instead of walking in the authority of God. Oh, you're not smart enough for that. Oh, you're too dumb. Last time you tried something, it failed. And that spirit, that mocking spirit is hold. No, don't call your baby. They're not coming back to God. They've entered into that lifestyle and they don't want freedom. You don't know that they were up at 3 a.m. saying, God, help me. See, I'm going to confront something for a minute. You, I've got to confront some different things because it's an unsettling. And I'm telling you, if you'll grab hold of the unsettling in just a minute, there's going to be an open heaven that hits this room. I got to hurry. Please forgive me for going long. I'm going to go longer for a second. Because what you got to understand, Paul and Silas encountered a snake. Because the Greek word there, the Greek word spirit, now follow me, it's very important, and I've gone too long already, but I'm going to go a minute longer, is pneuma pythona, or a Pythian spirit, a spirit that can tell the future. This referred to the legendary snake in Greek mythology that guarded the Delphic oracle in central greece they understand they're in philippi they're in greece area apollo supposedly killed this snake and the snake spirit dwelled in the priestesses there so a python spirit referred to a spirit that enabled someone to predict the future such people generally spoke with the mouth closed uttering words completely out of their control and were known as ventriloquists so that's not a new so in other words they're walking not moving their mouth, but the demon is talking, and as she's screaming, they're here to tell you about the Most High God, which didn't alarm the Greeks because they thought they was talking about one of the gods in the temple. As she's screaming that, something inside of Paul recognizes the spirit, this demonic power that loves to choke out the anointing, loves to squeeze you till you have no breath and fall asleep and then it eats you. Oh, you ain't with me yet. It's a python spirit. It's a spirit. I saw this in El Salvador preaching in a, in a little village. And as I was preaching with my interpreter and I was talking about perversion, I saw a witch doctor, true story, is out there in the fire doing this around the fire right outside the church service and I could see it because it was open air and I could see her and all of a sudden she took like a lasso of smoke true story this happened to me she pulled it up and did this and I'm watching this while I'm preaching I mean I'm from Alabama we ain't dealing with this kind of stuff normally you know what I mean and, and, and she's doing this and I'm watching her and she does that towards me and as I'm preaching this rope line of smoke comes towards me and I'm watching it the interpreter's eyes get big because he's watching it it's a demonic spirit and as it's coming towards me I said church and, and and he was he was interpreting I said we need to pray right now and as it got closer and closer it went around my neck and around his neck and began to pull like a rope and while I'm preaching I'm going I'm going and I said Jesus and it snapped And 
think Paul did not want a python spirit as a witness, a mocking spirit. Be careful who's praising you. Be careful who's telling you what you're doing is right. Oh, yeah, I'd leave him too. You need to walk out of that. Yeah, you don't need to make that work anymore. You know, you've given him plenty of chances. And it's a python spirit trying to interrupt your future, choking your breath, putting you unconscious, pulling you in, and it's, it's attacking the church today. But they don't have the authority to say, Jesus. And the python spirit, I got to hurry, is exactly, it attacks its prey by surrounding it and squeezing life out of it. And verse 18 goes on to say, this went on day after day, day after day, till Paul looked at her and he said, I command you to leave in the name of Jesus the Christ out of her and it instantly left her. Well, that's when it all breaks out right there. Oh, you ain't following me yet because all of a sudden this mocking spirit, it even says the right things. A mocking spirit is on our nation right now they will mock you for standing up for Christian values they'll make you feel dumb they'll say things they'll type they don't even understand they're under the influence of demonic powers when they're being keyboard commandos on their little Facebook and they're coming at you and they're coming at you because you believe in a man and a woman being married help me preach for a second you believe that a child's DNA does not change because a school says it does help me preach for a second you realize you can't change someone's XY chromosome help me for a second but you'll get attacked as a bigot and that's the big thing now they'll say you're a racist for this that let me tell you something it is time for the church to stand up and say Jesus And in verse 19 and 20, watch this. I'm hurrying now. I'm telling you, this is a word from heaven. I'm talking about the unsettled. I'm unsettled. You can't go back to church like we used to before the pandemic. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them in, put them before the magistrates, and the whole city was in an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or to practice. So you have to understand, there's a moment where you are going to be attacked because I felt the python spirit for two years saying, oh, they don't want to hear what you got to preach anymore. Listen to me. And you get weary and you get tired and you become like Judges chapter 8, Gideon's army. They were fainting yet they were pursuing. It means I'm falling down, but I'm going to keep going. I'm falling down, but I'm going to keep going because you start feeling like maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm nuts. Maybe we're watching a nation and they're pointing at us like we're crazy. This stuff doesn't we are in the last days and I just got to ask you some questions am I crazy because I believe God can rescue the lost am I crazy because I believe the cross changed everything am I crazy because God made I believe he made two distinct sexes Am I crazy because I believe that God and his majesty created all of people of all races, of all colors to be one people? Am I crazy? Am I crazy? Am I crazy because I had a party when I heard Roe v. Wade was overturned? And I helped me for a second. Am I crazy as I watched the government and, 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 and former presidents and this president talk about the one world that it, order that is coming? Am I crazy because I believe it's time for the church to be the compass and not the compliance arm of the government? Can I just tell you, if the world thinks you're crazy, you just might be, you might actually be normal. <laughs> I mean, if they think we're crazy, they ain't met my cousins. I mean, we don't even play with snakes. Now, a snake got in our garage last year, and I was at a Dallas Cowboys game with some friends, and Karen went out to the garage to work out, and all of a sudden, there's a big old copperhead in the corner, and she sent me a picture, and I was dropping my friend. We were getting out and going to the Cowboys stadium, and, and I said, guys, I got to go home. There's a snake in my garage, and, I, and I, as they jumped out of the car, next thing I know, I get a picture of a chopped off head of a, of a cotton mouth, and I said, my God, I said, it pays to marry a redneck. She wasn't letting nobody interrupt her. 
Now, if it had been me, I'd have screamed like a girl. I, I mean, I'd call, I'd have called Orkin. I don't know who you call, but hey, there's a snake. Come, come get that snake. I'd have put bullets all over my garage trying to shoot that thing. Karen just walked down and said, uh-uh, devil. Not the day, devil. Eve should have done it. Karen stepped up and said, well, Eve failed. Let me do it for my sister. See, what you got to understand. They thought Jesus was crazy. Look at John chapter 8. Remember this verse when he told them that their father was the devil? But he said, I'm not crazy. I simply honor my father. While you dishonor me, I am not trying to get anything for myself. God intends something gloriously grand here and is making the decisions that will bring it about. And I say this with absolute confidence. If you practice what I'm telling you, you'll never have to look death in the face. So you have to understand, the day, the day of spineless ministry is over. For those that decided that culture determined their value, it's over for them. They ministered from podiums and platforms and massaged people's egos instead of telling them what the altar was all about, it's over. They preach grace without understanding grace, without repentance, is, is, is nothing but plastic surgery when you need heart surgery. That, see, understand, and I love what, what Michael Horton said, I'm almost done. When everything is measured by our happiness rather than by God's holiness, the sense of our being sinners becomes secondary. What are you talking about, Pat? We must restore our God channel. I said to my son the other day, when most people get saved, they have a spiritual antenna that's real small. And they hear the Lord say, come to me, all who are weary and heavy, heavy and laden. They never grow the antenna. They never go up to the first heaven, the second heaven, the third heaven. Those that do will suddenly say, hey, resign your church, run for office. Those that will do will suddenly hear crazy things like, go to China, get your daughter. So you have to raise the antenna in your life, the spiritual antenna to a higher level. Get out of the noise of the culture and the world, and you begin to listen differently. So you have to understand there's a God channel involved. What do you mean, Pat? This is the heavenly frequency that interrupts the earth it's little things like when he said this is my son and whom i'm well pleased everyone heard it you have to understand god still interrupts the channel it's psalms 28 7 verse 8 my heart has heard you say come talk with me and my heart responds i'm coming i'm coming god i'm coming oh i'm almost done heaven's frequency hasn't changed your attention did Psalms 25, 15, keep my eyes on God and I won't trip over my own feet. He's saying, I want to begin to do things in your life. It's the unsettling. It's the unsettling. I call it frustration. It's, it's, it's when God begins to say there's more and, and, and you begin to say, I want you now more than anything else. We begin to pause again. It's Psalm 68 verse 19. What a glorious God. He gives us salvation over and over. Then daily he carries our burdens. Pause in his presence. John 10, he said, my sheep know my voice. And God is calling his people back to the holy. I'm almost done. He sent me to tell you to say there's a shifting, an unsettling that is happening. You're suddenly going to see making paid off. And then you're going to start seeing little things happen. People are going to call and say our church is dying and we just want to, can we come under the cover? And you're going to have to get crazy discernment because... You don't want to bring in what killed them. <laughs> All right. Mold grows. Let's move on. And can I tell you this? God's been doing such a work in Karen and I. I'm telling you the truth. Over the last few months, we were riding down the road Friday or Thursday, going on a date. And I said, I think it was Thursday. And I said, hey, have you, can I tell you something that's crazy? And she said, sure. She's used to it. She said, I hear music, I said, I said, I've been hearing music in the middle of the night. She goes, oh my God, I thought it was just me. I said, I literally thought we have a sound system in our house. I thought I left on the sound system. But it's been happening over and over where we hear symphony playing in the middle of the night, but nothing's playing. And she hears it, and then I hear it, and then it, we didn't just hear it at this house. At our last house, we heard it. I said, I've been hearing it for a long time, but I thought I was just going crazy. 
And the Lord spoke to me at that moment and said, I'm singing over you. Follow me. It's God channel. God portals in our bedroom. You can have that in your house. You have it in your car. Zephaniah 3.17 tells me, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is mighty Savior. He'll take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears, and he'll rejoice over you with singing. It's Ephesians says we are the workmanship of God. We are the song of the Lord, the poema. That's the word there. I'm his workmanship. What are you saying, Pat? Oh, you got to get a hold of this church. It's an understanding. But there, how do you get your God channel back? And I'm almost done. And this is what the Lord told me to come tell you because it's an unsettling. And I'm coming back to Paul and Silas in just a moment. But what the Lord told me to speak to you was repentance opens the heavens again. It's 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face. Hear from heaven, not my hand for something. Seek my face. You want to know character? Study somebody's face. Turn from their wicked ways and I'll forgive their sin and I will heal the land. He says, I'm not done with America yet. Help me preach for a second. It's James 4, 8. Come near to God. He comes near to you. It's a shifting. Some of your heartbeat is getting stronger and stronger because he is knocking at your heart saying, enough is enough. You got everybody fooled, but you ain't fooling me. Get ready. I'm almost done. I have learned that Satan's favorite Christians are the ones that worship on Sunday, disappear on Monday, reject on holidays, or rejoice on holidays, and stay, stay lethargic when it matters. You cannot have his kingdom until you say, my kingdom must die. That is a shifting mindset. Jesus told us over and over, if you want the kingdom of heaven, you have to repent. Matthew 4, verse 17. From, time, from that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. I love what Matthew Henry said. He made this statement. Wherever God designs to give life, he gives repentance. It's a shifting. It's a turning. I love what Leonard Ravenhill said about David. David had one of the most blessed gifts he was miserable about sin you want answers to come you want changes to come do you understand Charles Spurgeon said it best grace should change you if you're renewed by grace and were and were to meet your old self I'm sure they'd be very anxious that you'd be very anxious to get out of the company of your old self and when you begin to change I'm done right here I'm closing right here can I go on a rant for a second a little bit of a rant a little baby rant the tiny rant there's a rant. Rant. Here's my rant. Something that has bothered me for years. People say, well, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. It's not in the Bible. Follow me. <laughs> Where'd they get it? You know, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. No, you heard that from your grandmama. Oh, you heard that from your Baptist pastor didn't want service interrupted. It's not in the Bible. It doesn't say it anywhere that he's a gentleman. When I think of a gentleman, I think of some old English tea guy getting out. He's got his hat. Hello. Would you like to have some tea and crumpets and talk about your issues? No. But, but he's called the comforter. He ain't your blanket. That's the... That's the, the, the male form of the word. It literally means to cut away anything that's tying you down. Scissors. But people say all the time, well, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman, you know, he ain't going to interrupt the service. You are. <laughs> My dad was a drug dealer. Holy Spirit invaded him in a bathroom, made him start throwing up the dope, flush it down a commode, and get radically safe when he didn't even know who Jesus was. I don't need a gentleman to come walking in here. Hello, sir. Let me get the door for you. I need somebody that's going to boom. Let me walk in here. So get off your horse. There's an anointing. When the Holy Spirit walks, he don't ask your permission. He's the very form of God. When he walks in, he leads you to conviction, the Bible says, and understanding of righteousness and separates you where the world doesn't know you. So all you churchified people that run around and go, you know, I don't feel, you know, Holy Spirit don't act like that. You know what? Go put up your George Meyer devotional. Because it's not in the Bible. 
when he walks in he's a consuming fire when he walks in he'll start flipping over tables he'll start pulling babies out of sickness he'll start yanking a man out of perversion when he walks in so if you want a Holy Spirit invasion you better watch out you better not cry he's about to walk into the room and start doing some things you've never imagined he'll break every drug chain off of you he'll break every perverse band on your mind off of you He's a rebuker. He's a teacher. He's a convictor. He's a judge. He's an exhorter. He's an enabler, a baptizer, a consuming fire. I'm done. You better play so they think we're done. Rant over. My friend Larry Sparks, who leads Destiny Image, is probably going to do our next book on Priest and King found this quote from him yesterday. Larry's a good guy. He's a nobody. He loves to find Holy Ghost authors. He said, I've heard people say the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. We've taken this to mean that the Spirit of God will not move with unusual powerful force. He won't make us uncomfortable. That's a lie. He lives right down the street from me. I mean, you see Texas all over that, don't you? You know how I know? Because God's chief concern is not mankind's comfort. It's his kingdom. Jesus never seemed to consider comfort when he healed the sick or drove out demons. These kingdom advancing activities also brought great freedom while simultaneously attracting significant reproach from the religious community. Now, why did I, why would I have shared that to you? Because you're about to see him not be a gentleman. Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are hanging. Let me just remind you of this. The Bible says in Acts 3.19 that when you do repent, seasons of refreshing comes. Have you been frustrated? Frustrated. I love what James Burns said. Dissatisfaction, the forerunner of revival. This is me, man. This is where I've been at for two years. The inner history of revival is characterized by a profound sense of desperation awakening in many hearts. Stand with me all over this place. Heaven's about to drop in the room. I'm going to read a prophetic word over you. But I thought, that, I thought about this quote because I shared it last time I was here with the Ziklag anointing. A period of weariness and exhaustion invades the heart. The pleasure of the world is no longer satisfied. People become sick in soul and men turn with a sigh to God until it becomes a vast human need. Until its urgency beats with a violence against the very gates of heaven, a spirit of intercession waits with the expectation that won't be denied. I've come to talk to the church that he'll marry, not the church he's divorcing. I've come to talk to the ones that are saying, I need God to interrupt my house and my family. I need God to move in and if it means he disrupts I want that python spirit quieted in my home that mocking spirit lack of oxygen spirit taking territory will require a new level of praise Paul and Silas they put him in the prison, not just in the prison, in the inner cell. What you call an inner cell, I call the Holy of Holies. They put him in solitary confinement. And all of a sudden they're in there. They're in pain and they're hanging. All because they got rid of a snake. And the Bible says that about midnight, they begin to praise and they begin to praise and they begin to worship and everybody's listening and heaven leans over and starts tapping its foot. Heaven starts getting loose. Heaven starts getting a little crazy. Look at them fools. They wanted to shut them up, put them in the place where nobody could hear them, but their voices amplified because they are a song. Look at them. I, 
all we're seeing happen right here is heaven singing over them. All you're seeing right now is a giant choir starting to clap and stomp their feet starting to move in the groove of what is happening in the middle of a prison and as they began to worship Paul and Silas hanging there in pain every flesh skin torn off their bodies all because they shut down a snake all because they shut down a Greek mythological demon and all of a sudden as they start praising the whole place starts breaking apart oh you ain't helped me it's because heaven doesn't use the door heaven uses the ceiling heaven uses the walls when it comes in it don't ask permission he's not a gentleman he starts moving in and heaven invaded their praise to join in and at that moment everyone in the room started getting free the Bible says their chains started falling off oh you ain't helped me yet and then the Philippian jailer who would be who the Philippian jailer who would become the first pastor of Philippi comes running in and wants to die because he's had a bad day at the prison and the warden's gonna kill me and all of a sudden they said save yourself we're still here but we're going to walk out and you're going to take us home with you and you're going to give us something to eat and you're going to fix our wounds for a second and then you tell the, the magistrate and you tell the, all of them guys when they leave we ain't just going to leave town they want them to sleep he said they're going to give us a parade we're going out on a float and when we go out we're going to walk out praising right down the middle of the streets because the church has been stepped on looked down to for so long and it is time for us to rise up in the city and leave a move of, lead a move of God that is a march through the middle of the city saying you can do whatever you want. You can beat us. You can come at us. But we're going to praise. And we're going to praise. You're going to end up having a parade for us. Because my Bible says he led the enemy captive. And those of us in triumphal entry. Help me preach. Why would I preach this? Because laying at the hotel sitting back on a bed yesterday when he downloaded this word to me he said you tell him i'm about to move you tell them for those that stick in here and didn't have to get out for those that were hungry tell them i'm going to start sending portals to their bedroom holes in the heaven doorways of glory god's rolling down windows i'm going to start doing things your whole office you'll be sitting in your little cubicle and all of a sudden ba-bomb and you'll look up and glory will start raining down on you why because every time when we planted the altar last night in Macon, it opened a portal. Heaven opened up and that glory hit the room. You go ahead and stay normal. You go ahead and keep watching CNN and Fox and MSNBC. Keep watching all of them because they're determining your spiritual antenna. Or if you'll raise up past their satellite, there's a voice, there's a voice railing from heaven saying, I am not done with you. I am not done with that nation. We pray you were blessed by today's message. For more content and to get to know us better, download our app at AbundantLifeChurch.com.